Hello, this is Anthony from the Read This, Watch That podcast. I have a bad habit of always forgetting to do this, but if you want to contact us, you can contact us by email at UriahHeap324 at gmail.com. That's U-R-I-A-H-H-E-E-P-324 at gmail.com. And apparently we have a Twitter page at... at R T W T twenty twenty two. Welcome to the Read This, Watch That podcast. I am Anthony. And I am Dale. How are you doing today? I am doing well. A little bit rainy, but well, it's okay. kind of a cold, damp Saturday. Good day, right. good day for a podcast. Good day for a podcast. Absolutely. So, what are we doing today? We are doing three years of Cusack. John Cusack? You might say John Cusack, yes. <laughs> Joan? Joan Cusack? Anne no, Cusack? Not Joan, not Anne. <laughs> this is this was your idea. What 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 prompted you to want to do three years of John Cusack? Well not that uh, not that I'm against it. I, right. I love a lot of his movies. So. <laughs> Well, we've done, you know, a fair number of movies and, and have been thinking about a fair number of movies. And as we were kind of going through it, I was thinking to myself, there there are um, uh, actors um, that we might want to think about and focus on rather than focusing on a movie, just kind of identify an actor who maybe had a, you know, a, a particular run that was particularly interesting for some reason or another or for whatever reason we just wanted to focus on. And, and I thought about um, John Cusack because I think he's a very interesting character in Hollywood. He had um, a lot of success very early in his career in these teen movies and then converted that into um, someone who I think really did what he wanted to do and, and, you know, did a lot of independent films and um, things that are a little bit off the beaten path, as well as some big blockbusters. Um, but for a period of time, particularly those of a certain vintage, such as ourselves, um, he was right there in the mix with all of those young actors in the in the early and mid eighties, um, and he had kind of a unique career. And uh, I thought that roughly his first three years is not technically but roughly his first three years when he really got traction would be an interesting place to, to kind of to focus because he was very young. The movies in this period were of a definite type that really don't exist anymore. I don't think. No. Um, and uh, um, I think really demonstrated why he was unique of that group and, and I think it'd be an interesting thing just to kind of focus in and take a look at a three-year swath of John Cusack movies. I happen to agree with you. Um, he is kind of an interesting. Well, for first of all, this is this is kind of our this is the decade we came of age. So yes, whether it's something as you know, in retrospect, something as self-indulgence. And melodramatic as The Breakfast Club, and you got Pretty in Pink, and you got everything from uh, Sixteen Candles to Some Kind of Wonderful to About Last Night 
you know, all over the place. He is kind of an interesting guy in that respect because he doesn't quite, when you think of the decade and you think of, of a Ferris Bueller was another big one. Oh yeah. yeah when yeah. you think of the decade, when you think of those John Hughes or Hughes-esque type of movies, you know, you think of Rob Lowe and Molly Ringwald and Anthony Michael Hall, Matthew Broderick, uh, Cusack's kind of right there, but he's not he's not in with them. And I think the only real movie he did uh, back in the 80s uh, as a as a lead with anybody was One Crazy Summer with Demi Moore, who was also um, in with the the Brett pack a, a little bit. But I don't think he did much with. You know, guys like Rob Lowe and Andrew McCarthy, Emilio Estevez, Charlie Sheen, you know, all those people. I think the only uh, the only one that I think, I mean, you're right. I think um, One Crazy Summer was uh, Demi Moore was in that. And he was in 16 Candles. He had a, he had a small, small role, small role in yeah. 16 Candles. But yeah. And he was also in class with Andrew McCarthy and Rob Lowe. But again, it was a, I think it was a nothing. Small role, yeah. Yeah, nothing role. So, um but yeah, so he's kind of, and I think, I don't think many of the movies he did in the 80s was, was um, financially, from a financial standpoint, and we can go through the numbers, particularly successful. However, in retrospect, he's a name that, that comes up when my, me and my friends talk about movies from the 80s. He's a name that comes up. Everyone seems to have liked them. Everyone see whether they saw the movie in the theater or my theory, you know, my theory is that he really wasn't the 80s icon. And I don't know this for a fact, but I have a feeling based on some of the numbers. Yeah, people knew of him. He was around. He was likable. But I think when say anything came out i think a lot of people may have gone back to check out some of his other stuff and but, some things became kind of a cult classic like better off dead uh, it, it's interesting you should say that because that is my thinking as well except that i would i would characterize this as a is a is a little bit differently is that i think that um say anything for a number of people, again, our roughly our age, right? That came out in, was it 89? 89. Um, really not that long after this three-year period that we're talking about, which is 85, 86, <laughs> he's back in 87. Which is great because he's bouncing back from being a high school student to graduating from high school to being in college to being yeah, in high school. <laughs> right, a ball player, right, and, you know, all this stuff. But but he's uh, but it, it was only you know a short period of time after all of these and all of these other movies too. You know the Ferris Bueller's and the you know um, six, uh, Sixteen Candles and you know all the Brat Pack movies. But I think it, it came at a time when the people who kind of grew up with those movies were getting a little bit older. Say anything, I think was by far the most mainstream of those sorts of movies. I mean, it told a traditional story and I think a fairly traditional way. It was set in the real world. It was set in the real world. It was done very well as a Cameron Crowe movie. And I think that there was a bit of nostalgia 
that that movie kind of tapped into. And so when people think about those movies from the 80s, I think Say Anything becomes somewhat emblematic. And um, I think he, at least for me, he just kind of gets associated with that era because of that. Yeah, Even think- though, as you say, he, he was kind of on the outskirts of all of those Brat Pack actors and actresses. Probably for the best, better too. Um, yeah, say anything's kind of interesting too because it 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 was really big. It wasn't a, that was not a huge success either financially. I think it only made. I was looking at the numbers, and now this is, of course, I think solely in the theater. Okay, mm-hmm. God knows with rentals and things like that. But I have a budget of sixteen million and a box office of twenty. Yeah, that's not. That's not. That's not a blockbuster. However, for people, some of my friends, but a lot of people that were maybe two or three years younger, still in high school, that was a big movie. Everyone talked about it. Everyone loved it. And of course, Mm -hmm. he actually got a chance to, I haven't gone through everybody, but I mean, no offense to Rob Ryan, when he was in a Rob Reiner film, which we can talk about he was in Rob Reiner's the second film Rob Reiner directed, mm-hmm. but in say anything, he gets to work with, I think the best director of, of the people he worked with in the eighties. And that's Cameron Crowe. He's got a real yep. writer, a real director. Yep. And um, he does a really, he does a really great job. But the best thing about say anything was almost like he and we are graduating from the eighties. Yes. <laughs> it's 1989. It's over. He's finally going to do his last graduation from high school, and we're yep. all going to be moving on. Yes, so yes. It almost yeah, great point. It, it almost has kind of like this this kind of meta feel to it. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that I think that that's right. Um, and it's a uh, again, I think there is that kind of nostalgic feel to it, which kind of sets it apart. And I would say this was also the film that I think and I've just kind of seen bits and pieces of this, so I may be overstating this, but I think this was the film that, that Roger Ebert who had pointed to Cusack in the sure thing and said, Oh, this guy's, this guy's good. You know, he's got, he's got some quality to him that sets him apart. And I think that Ebert's review of say anything was very positive and particularly about Cusack. And I think that it kind of, and I think that was generally, you know, viewed as he did a really good job in that movie. Um, and kind of solidified him as an actor, and perhaps even in a weird way, just as you said, kind of solidified him as, ah, here's the guy who's graduated. Right. Right. Now he's an adult. Now it's okay for us to, you know, see him, you know, do different different things like the grifters and um, true colors and, and these other things where he starts playing, a, you know, a young adult. Um, and we can kind of, it's almost like, oh, I know that guy because I, I, I know him from Say Anything and I know him, you know, from when he was even younger, right? And Sixteen Candles and all this stuff. So right. you can kind of point to him and, and kind of see that, see that consistency through it because he definitely has a very specific, at least then, has a very st- specific acting style, call it, that he that is very distinctive. I have a, like the, the, the four movies we're going to discuss, I would love to to do an entire episode devoted to each movie, but there's just not enough. <laughs> there's just, let's be honest. I love them. They're, they're for the most part, they're, it's a nostalgia thing. Um, 
two, three of them. Well, two are just absurdists. Um, one is almost like a screwball comedy, and the other is the more traditional. Uh, mm. I, it just is not. There's not an hour's worth of discussion on any of these movies. I, break, with, breaking with, down one crazy summer for an hour would be um, torturous. A, a, a little. <laughs> Yeah, a little <laughs> difficult. But let's yeah. talk about him real quick. He was born in 1966. He's a New York City family, although they moved to Evanston, Illinois when he's young. His father's a filmmaker, actor. Um, I, I got the feeling a little bit more on the artsy side of the film world and not a Hollywood guy. After all, mm-hmm. he's living in Evanston, Illinois. He's not a Hollywood yep. guy, but apparently he's the judge in Eight Men Out, the father. Richard? Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, the other movies didn't ring a bell. They look like they might be a little bit more, a little too artsy for my taste. Hmm. Um, he did a l- small, uh, short stint at NYU and dropped out. And his uh, breakout, I guess he would really have, he was in class in 1983, he was in 16 Candles in 1984. He was in a movie I'm dying to see because it sounds abysmal. Grandview, USA, which is Patrick Swayze... C. Thomas Howell, um, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, but it takes place in like some place in Oklahoma. I've never um, heard of it, and it just has a very just. It, it I I went on I went on Wikipedia to read the plot. The plot looks really convoluted. It's another teen. It, it's another teen type of movie, but you know with rural almost rural poor type from Oklahoma and you know, who really wants to see that? Then his, his first lead though is the sure thing. You like this movie. You've mentioned this movie a few times. Yes. To me. Um, and uh, uh, that was his break and roll, but let's, maybe we should, you want to talk about the movies first or maybe just a little bit about him and his acting. So he's uh, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about about him to kind of set this in 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 a little bit more context. Um, I, I, he's he's a guy with a very interesting IMBD. Um, I, I I think it's somebody who's so so number one. I mean he's he's you know clearly a very successful actor. Um, I can't I don't know how many you know. He, movies he he's been in yeah i mean he, he, he seems to i mean there there more recently seems to have tailed off a bit some of that i think may be a little bit self-imposed he's he's, he's turned very anti-hollywood as he's gotten older as i understand it um, he had a strong statement about hollywood in 2014 about it being what do you say corporatized said, like a whorehouse or something yeah, like that cor- corporatized that, and that, he that, was very yeah. anti um the uh, I it seems to me it was directed at probably the Marvel movies, but um, so dedicated yeah. to franchise that you can't really get anything of substance yeah. made, right? And right. then if things after that seem to be a lot of directed DVD stuff, a lot of directed DVD stuff. He 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 did a um, uh, he did a television show for um. Amazon Prime called Utopia, which I just started watching. Which I just started watching. Very interesting. There's an yeah. English version of that too. Yes, yes. So he's so he after he does this teenage thing in the in the eighties, um, 
in as you know in the late 80s and 90s he starts becoming more of a serious actor but what's interesting are the 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 films that he 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 shows up in because they're not for the most part kind of mainstream hollywood films and some of them are really interesting um not all of them but they're interesting i mean i, I think i mentioned the grifters and true colors um, Grifters is really good yeah true colors is an interesting movie i don't think it's that bad um he was in fat man and little boy another um, uh, another financial slaughter yep. not a ton of these are hugely no <laughs> successful even though his woody allen movie shadows and fog it was a box office bomb yeah, he also was in, I think, Bullets Over Broadway, which may also have been a box office uh, bomb. But it was at least two Woody Allen movies. But um, he was in Bob Roberts. He was in The Player as himself, like a lot of people were. Um, Bullets Over Broadway, I mentioned The Road to Wellville, City Hall. Gross Point Blank's a fun movie, which was successful. And he co-wrote and produced Gross Point Blank. Yes. Um, and he's also in Con Air, which is so funny he's, that he's, he's doing in, that Fed yeah. type of thing. Yep, yep. So, um, oh, oh, not to interrupt, but sure. actually, one of my favorites, and I really should go back and watch it, is um, I really like him in Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. Yep, he's a flawed movie in my opinion, but he's um, he's there. He's in the Thin Red Line. Thin Red Line's a really interesting. That's that. Uh, uh, an episode discussing the Thin Run line vis-a-vis Saving Private Ryan could be interesting. Yes, that, that would be. Um, but uh, being John Malkovich, another yep. very interesting, weird movie, High Fidelity. Again, he co-wrote and produced. I don't know produced. if High Fidelity was a huge hit. It, it's another one, though, that at, at the very least seems to have a strong following of people who really like it certainly yes the cult a cultish kind of a movie so almost um, almost like a john cusack 80s character growing up in 2000 yes 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 absolutely Ser- serendipity is a um a rom-com he does a good job and i like it because kate beckinsale's in it so i can't tell you what the movie's about but she's mm-hmm. in it and to mm-hmm. kate beckinsale circa 2001 and that's all i need to know um yeah after that he does do kind of a an interesting set of movies i some of which i just don't i don't know i've not not seen it does some mainstream stuff like igor which was a voice part in an animated movie he was in 2012 big emmerich disaster movie um terrible uh, movie yeah terrible movie um, but still pulls out some of these interesting ones like uh, The Raven, where he played uh, Edgar Allan Poe. So a very, in my opinion, a very kind of an interesting, um, it's really interesting weird. sort of a career. And it kind of matches his personality, because if you get to, you know, if you kind of learn a little bit how, how he is and who he is through some of his interviews, you find out, number one, he is really motivated by the work and, and he he tries to really humanize his characters as much as he as much as he possibly can and i think that that comes through he's also very much a left winger um he is very progressive that way yeah yeah and and he's not shy he you know he he is is very vocal in his views and i think he has been for uh for a long time and and uh he's an interesting guy a little bit of an outsider, but someone who clearly started out his career in the early eighties 
as really being kind of in the mainstream of the entertainment, at least in the movie industry with these, you know, teenage movies. I always found, um, I think he's a, I don't think he's a brilliant, I mean, I know you think he's kind of like the Lawrence Olivier of our times, but do I really, <laughs> or, or did you say Gregory Peck? I, I never, I never. Um, so he's a definitely a above average, solid uh, workman like actor. I agree. Um, yeah. He's got this weird. And again, let's I'm sticking with the the 80s teen or college type films. Mm-hmm. He's got this weird charisma. Hmm. Um, not blow you off the screen type of charisma, but he's one of those. His characters are actually compared to others are, are fairly well-rounded. Mm-hmm. Um, the people he play, and I always wonder if this is him. He, 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 most of his characters have a good degree of self-confidence, but also some vulnerable, some vulnerabilities. They're, sure of themselves in in one way they're a little bit unsure of themselves in another there's some self-doubt but then there's moments when they know they're they're right uh, they can be sad they can be funny uh just kind of like a real a real person as opposed yes. to i don't know an example in um in the breakfast club which may be kind of for our generation the biggest of those movies yeah. the citizen kane of those movies <laughs> they're all they're all kind of they're all kind of pigeonholed into roles they start to break out of them that's kind of the point but you really never get well-rounded you know particularly well-rounded characters he just seems like he is <laughs> don't take this the wrong way but he's the 80s teen version of Tom Hanks. He's just like an every guy. I agree. That's a, that's a really good way to describe that, it, it, particularly him in the 80s. And he's, I, that's a great, yeah. great one. Yeah. And you could live next door to him. He's not, he's, not, he's not one of the pretty boys. Yeah. He's not prettier than a girl. You know, Rob Lowe and some of these other guys were, were like model, handsome, perfect he could be your next door, you know, your next door neighbor's kid. Um, mow your lawn, be a nice guy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. Yep. That's absolutely true. I always wondered um, too, why no one ever, well, this is all in retrospect. You know how Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan did a number of rom-coms together, almost like a team for a while. Yes. He would have been a good one to do that with someone uh, team them up and do do three or four movies. And the only name I came up with, I was thinking like Ali Sheedy, who I think was out of a lot of those female actresses, probably the most talented. It's like, no. Mm-hmm. Molly Ringwald, no. Demi Moore, no. But I was thinking, put him and Elizabeth Shue in a couple movies in the mid-80s. Some rom-coms. You just point the camera and let them do their thing. Probably have a couple hits on your hands. I think that that's uh, that's uh, that's not a bad uh, I think take on 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 that uh, on that period, and and that actor. I mean, it's it, it. I mean, he almost did it with this with this kind of character that he seemed to yeah. carry through. I mean, it was the same. You know, when you the the four movies we're going to talk about, this did is you, largely the same guy. Did you do the same? Did you do the evolution that I did? Like yes. I was thinking about. 
okay this is him early on this is him and this is him. yeah i know it's like well in particular um i think you can make the argument that one crazy summer is pretty much a spiritual uh sequel to um better off dead well same director um made the same year right same cast um, um yeah well, a year later, or no, what, maybe, year may, later. maybe yeah. possibly made the same year, but it was a year later yeah. that was brought out. But a couple of this overlap in the actors, yeah. almost like uh, Lane Meyer had grown up and matured a little bit and had a little bit more self confidence. And yes, um, same director, um, couple of the same actors. Uh, he'd graduated from high school in one crazy summer, so yeah, you can almost see. You slap a couple different names on these people. The only other person, you know, I was also thinking about the roles in these four movies. The Sure Thing, less less so the Sure Thing because that is a mainstream, normal, mid eighties movie. Um, but better, uh, uh, yeah, you know, you could, you could say that it, it has its moments. But yes, I it it it, it, it doesn't have the absurd absurdism exactly. as um, Better Off Dead and One Crazy Summer. That's for sure. Exactly. The I was thinking, who's going to do those roles? Rob Lowe, Matthew Broderick, Charlie Sheen, Emilio Estevez, Anthony Michael Hall, Tom Cruise, Ralph Macchio. The I like no, I don't think any of them really are able to pull off those characters. The only person I came up with from that time period, and it'd be a completely, it'd be a different energy to it, but maybe someone like Michael J. Fox. I just, what I was thinking. Yep. But not the big names from that, that kind of that middle of the eighties. I don't think they could play these roles. No, I agree. I think it's, I think it is Michael J. Fox comes to mind because he has this energy, this very, 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 um, significant energy to him, you know, that uh, you, you don't get with a lot of those other actors. I mean, maybe, um, you know, maybe n- now with the benefit of retrospect, you might see like a Charlie Sheen being able to do that. But I think he was probably too young. Um, yeah, maybe point. a little too intense looking. But that was my my thought, yeah. too, after Fox, out of all those people I just mentioned. Yeah, I'd probably go with Charlie Sheen because at his best, he may in the right roles, he may be a better actor than most of the people. I mean, say what you want about Charlie Sheen, but at his best, he's a better actor than Judd Nelson. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he's a lot more interesting than that. This is my own, like, pet peeve. I just don't... Um, I'm not even excluding War Games. Uh, yeah, I can take him in War Games. I don't like Matthew Broderick as an actor. He annoys the hell out of me. I think Ferris Bueller's a dick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, I, it's funny you should say that. I, I have not, I, I've liked him as he's gotten older and I've seen him in a couple of things here and there that I've, I've liked, but early on, I was never a Ferris Bueller fan. Oh, no. I, I was not a war games fan. I, I just, he, um, yeah, I just don't. Uh, All right. So, yeah. Uh, this is your movie, The Sure Thing, 1985, directed by yeah. Rob Reiner, starring John Cusack as Walter Gibson. Daphne Zaniga is Allison Bradbury. That's that's such a name. Um, uh, of Melrose Place fame, is that what she's known for? I didn't watch Melrose Place, but I seem to recall she may, that may be where she ended up. Um, 
Anthony Edwards is in this, a very, very young Anthony Edwards. That's right. Yes. And I think, well, uh, it. I didn't recognize him until his last scene. Tim Robbins has a small Tim role. I did not. Small I, role, yeah. I swear to God, I didn't recognize him. Yeah. Uh, you so, didn't really? No. Oh, I, I, no, I, no. I remember that from the beginning, I think. Yeah. That, yeah no, no, no. That that Because I didn't. I think I saw this on video. It was the first I saw it. And I think by then, for whatever reason, I had seen uh, Tim Robbins and other things. But... Yeah, yeah, a young a young Tim Robbins. Budget was four point five million dollars, and it made eighteen million. Now, when we do the budget stuff, this is my understanding. And if if somebody else disagrees, they can they can let me know. The budget is the the what you pay to make the movie. Mm-hmm. Okay, everything from um, salaries of the actors to the ca- to the crew. The sets, the 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 you know the leasing this, getting permits, all those things. It does not include promotion and advertisements. Mm. And often, if they're going to push a big movie, if they think something's going to be big, sometimes the promotion and advertisement can be about the amount of the budget. So when you hear four point five million was the budget. And it made eighteen million. It didn't. Didn't it, make eighteen it, million. It didn't yeah. make fourteen. It, they didn't. Yeah. They didn't come away with fourteen. Now, they could have come come away with ten, twelve, or, or mm-hmm. whatever. But yeah, all of that's not pure profit. Um, but this this clearly um, made money. So, yep. what do you? What's your? What do you like? Tell us about it. What do you like about it? Well, I'll, I'm going to start with Roger Ebert, who gave it three and a half stars and said it was a small miracle. Um, <laughs> and it, here, here's a really nice, I, I, I think I read this in, in, in a written review of his. And he, he says, these two particular characters, Walter and Allison, played by these two gifted young actors, nice. make the sure thing into a special love story. So he really... Um, uh, he actually really liked it. I really like it. I, I think it is Rob Reiner, maybe not at his best, but certainly performing at a very high level. The movie um, is cohesive. There are very few things that you know fall flat. You know, the things that are supposed to be funny generally are funny. It is dated, and we can we can we can get to that a bit. Any, anything in particular? Well. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, yeah. the the actual the, concept for the movie is it, it, yes well there's that there's that there's a couple of things in in between but i mean overall it kind of it, it really does work well um and uh you know our our and it sets up it has a nice device to really set up the love story because our our hero gib is this kind of you know bright but um Cocky, uh, unrefined obnoxious. yeah unrefined right but, he's but he's charming charming but unrefined right yeah. he he doesn't he he brings no discipline to anything that he does including his schoolwork and uh his counterpart allison is just the opposite she is so so uptight and controlled in in everything that she does she she has one of the great lines in all moviedom which is Spontaneity has its time and place. Yes. <laughs> I wonder if it originated there. I've used that line, and I had no idea where it came from. It's a great line, um, and that, and of course, it's the battle between them, and you know, but they they ultimately, of course, find um, 
you know, what is attractive in each other. Um, and it's just, it's done really, it's a simple sort of a premises. It's a road movie, right? It's a, it's basically a cross country trip that they go on and it's, it's very much adventures a, together. Very much a ro- ro- rom-com road movie, which I not, not having a full, you know, my, my understanding of rom-coms, you know, that's really not my, my wheelhouse, but I don't yeah. know how many, rom-com road movies there are uh, i don't either i it 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 is um uh but it it it's a device that he uses in um when harry met sally of course yes. as well right um yes. in in a number of ways uh and of course it's also uh you know a metaphor for you know uh, people's journey together getting to know each other um and it is, it's done very well. It has very few moments where it falls flat. Um, the characters are believable in their eccentricities. And um, it kind of hits, you know, time, as you and I have talked in the past, it kind of hits from a timing perspective. It hits where it needs to hit at the time it needs to hit, a, hit right? And it, yeah, it, very- it kind of just really hits its marks all along want- the way. I once said um, I thought my favorite year you could study my favorite year for all the um, timing of yeah. you know the timing of the introduction to the characters and the turning point and the this and the that this is the same this is a very well first of all um, it is you know Walt Gibson goes to this uh, unnamed but you get the idea it's a fairly prestigious uh, New England University because it's prestigious because the Daphne Zanega character is going there and we know right. yeah um, they're they're in English class together they get to know each other he try he cons her into tutoring him because he's basically lazy right. um, he makes a, a kind of a, clumsy a really person. clumsy terrible pass at her she gets mad at him ultimately for the Christmas holidays. She's going to California to see her boyfriend. He's invited by his friend, Anthony Edwards, who went to college in Southern California to come out because our boy Cusack is complaining that he's just has not had sex in a long time. And Anthony Edwards wants to set him up with Nicolette Sheridan, who is a quote, sure thing end quote. And you never learn her name. Right. She's completely (laughs) objectified. Completely. (laughs) And then it turns into basically it happened one night because they go to the boards to look for rides and they get a ride with the same couple to California who ultimately kick them out of the car because they are constantly bickering. Have you seen it happen one night? Uh, Yes, many years ago. The Capra film with Clark Gable and Claudette Colbert. I had not thought about this. But when I did some research on the movie, somebody had mentioned it's kind of like a modern take on it happened one night. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. It's, it's kind of a classic setup. The yep. one thing I did like about this was um, the. The with, you know, how, you know, it's a 1985 movie, so I'm going to spoil it. They do get together, but it doesn't happen at the time I thought it would. Which oh, I thought I okay, thought it was yeah. interesting. I thought it would happen. Well, I thought it would happen before they got to the party. 
I physically hook up. If I miss something, mm-hmm. they don't physically hook up. Do they? No. And profess their interest in one another. Then they go to the party where the sure thing is. And then well, it's because they complete... both have the, yeah, because they both have their own realization, right? Because she goes to see her boyfriend who's in <laughs> law school. Has there ever been someone like the boyfriend? No. <laughs> it's, just, it's just like no. they find the dullest person you know and make them duller. Right. Exactly. But she has that realization as well while in California, because of course she has the realization that her boyfriend is really very boring and her life is not going to be fulfilling if she continues the way that she's going. He has the realization, which you don't see. It's a reveal at the end. He has the realization that this, you know, meaningless sex is really not um, what he's looking for. And so it doesn't go through with it. Uh, and they reconcile at the end of the, at the very end of the movie. Um, so it's a, it's a, it, again, it's a very kind of a simple premise. It's a, you know, you could describe it in a sentence or two and you can see where it's going from the minute the movie begins pretty much. Right. Uh, well, in terms of how it's going to, I, I, as, as soon as soon as you get introduced to her, I have it in my notes that, it is not the this Cusack and to a lesser extent Zuniga make the movie. This is such a predictable setup, right? You got the yeah. cocky, obnoxious, charming guy. You got the uptight girl. Yeah. Um, it, you know they they start out not liking each other. They end up you know liking each. other. This is like nothing original whatsoever about this movie. Nope. What makes the movie is is um and those two young actors doing a pretty good job um the other thing i, I didn't want to f- before we move on from this when we're ready to move on i don't i just want to go back i don't want to forget this you know the actually the most charismatic actor in this movie is vivica linfors and she plays the professor oh yeah she's, she's great and she's great the only other thing i could think i saw her in which is a terrible movie she's in the first stargate movie with with James Spader that, mm-hmm. that um, which starts out the first 10 minutes of Stargate yep. is like really interesting. And the yep. rest of and it's kind it of nonsense. Yeah. 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 She's yeah. the little girl who's later the, yep. The, yeah. She just has this really awesome presence. She was also in creep. The first creep show. I don't see. I don't remember that. Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. She was she, in father's day. She's like really good. I, she just like holds when she's on the screen talking, you watch. Yes. Yes, you absolutely do. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, did you like it? Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I like it in the sense that this is a really good example of what a, like a teen slash college rom-com could be in the 80s. Yeah. This exactly. is if you're going to show someone that's not off the charts, crazy, weird yep. or like this. As unlikely as it is, this could happen. Right, right. You know, although as they're driving, the Midwest looks quite green in the wintertime, doesn't it? Yes, I guess. Times. I guess at when times. you're in Ohio and Indiana in December, the, the leaves don't change color in yes. fall. <laughs> Fair um, point. Okay, two points of trivia and then we'll move on because we do have two other movies. Yes, to, we three, three other movies yeah. to talk about. So one, he pokes Paul, Newman's in, Paul Newman in the eyes, the poster of Paul Newman. Um, mm-hmm which I thought was a nice little touch um, acknowledging um, 
Paul Newman there. And then um, they're driving uh, the, you know, Robin's car when they're driving is a 1967 Volvo 122 S with an, I love ET bumper sticker. <laughs> um, I, didn't, I didn't notice that. It's, it's a, it's a, you know, Volvo of course has had, has, has, has created, you know, many classics, but you, you may recall as well, as your youth, one of those cars that you would see, you know, your hippie, yes. hippie girlfriends driving were an old, you know, uh, uh, 70s model Volvo station wagon diesel. Um, and this was the really the predecessor to that great car. Um, really don't see these on the road much anymore. Um, and I will, I will point out two things. One of the old guys in the bar when uh, John yeah. Cusack's in the bar is Sunshine Parker, who is Emmett in Roadhouse. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> and the other is uh, she's got a book about Nantucket on her desk. Oh, interesting. And when we get to One Crazy Summer, yeah. John Cusack will be in Nantucket. So just for, um, just for uh, again, context, some other films that came yeah. out in 1985. I did that too. Yeah. What do you well, so Back I've to got, the Future. Uh, well, Back to the Future, um, After Hours. Uh, hard, to, uh, hard to compete with Back to the Future. Yeah. Hard to, but The Goonies also. Yes. After Hours, the um, great Griffin Dunn Scorsese movie. Clue. Oh, yeah. Tim Fletch. Curry. Yep. Tim Curry, Fletch. Um, funny movies. Yep. One of the few chase movies I like. Yep. Teen Wolf. Yes, our uh, our boy Michael J. Fox. Michael J. Fox. Which, um, which, to give you the idea that this was a four point five million dollar budget and made eighteen million. Teen Wolf. Even though I love that movie for nostalgic purposes, it's eh. terrible. Uh, One point two million dollar budget, eighty million dollar return. Wow. Yeah. Yikes. Uh, a few others, um, Fandango for all of you Kevin Costner fans. Um, My Science Project, which is a weird little movie that um, I, I, I want to go back and watch. It's been a long, long time. Um, Once Bitten, which is yes. kind of a 70s throwback. Jim Carrey. Yep. No, uh, uh, did you say Jim Carrey? Yeah. What's one, Once Bitten? No, no, no. It's what's, It's a vampire movie. It's... um. Uh, what's his name? Oh, the act. Uh, we don't have time. I just yeah. need to look it up. Um, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Oh, Lord. Um, which actually plays into our next movie a little bit. I'll tell you why. Police Story, which I think was the first Police Squad movie. <coughs> and Weird Science. So just to give you a sense of... Uh, th that's what I had in, in terms of what else was coming out. I don't know if you had anything else. Oh, no. No, I had a couple of those. Okay, okay. we're moving on to 1980. So The Sure Thing came out in March, on March 1st, 1985. On August 23rd, <coughs> 1985, we have Better Off Dead. John Cusack yes. is Lane Meyer. It also stars David Ogden Stiers, if yes. you recall. Charles Emerson Winchester from MASH. He was... Yep. Lane's dad, Diane Franklin, is mm -hmm. one of the love interests. Mm -hmm. Amanda Weiss is the other love interest. Mm -hmm. Chris Armstrong is his friend, Charles DeMar, who mm -hmm. may possibly be the best character ever in a movie. Could um, be. A great career, Curtis Armstrong, had, yes. by the way. With, with, a face has, with a face like that, he yeah, turned that. Radio. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my favorite, Aaron Dozier, is Roy Stallen. 
Yes. And uh, Kim, Kim Darby from True Grit is the yes. mom. Yes. Yeah. 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 Again, this is another. This plot is is completely unoriginal. Completely um, unoriginal. Elaine Meyer loses his girlfriend, who he's obsessed with, and that's Amanda Weiss. Um, another girl, a French foreign exchange student, moves in across the street, and she tries to advise him on how to get her back. The dummy uh, finally realizes he likes the new girl <laughs> rather than the old girlfriend. Right. It's the style that makes this utterly absurd and not based so, in the real world. <laughs> yeah. No. A couple, couple of, couple of things on on this. So it's, it's uh, what's his name? Savage Steve. Savage Holland. Steve Holland. Yep. Um, and as is the next one. Um, so I'll just go back to, I, I found the old uh, video of at the movies or a sneak preview or whatever it was, the Ebert and Siskel. <laughs> Let me guess, the thumbs are down. The thumbs are down <laughs> for this one. Um, the cup, but it's weird. I got the sense they didn't watch the movie they, because they, they talked about some things about it that I was like, this uh, before you sound quite right. Before you tell us. Yes. I've always found... In general, not specifically, but in general, I don't think, in particular, Ebert, but Siskel to a certain extent, lesser extent than Ebert, but I don't think they get comedies. Yeah, I think that's. I, I think, think there's a real, be, like, I've yeah. heard them say things about this movie was absurd. It's like, yeah. That's kind of the, <laughs> well, and that's the thing here with this is that they just did not get the absurdity. Um, but the, 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 the review did have this great line from Gene Siskel, which was, because Roger Ebert was trying to say, it's not even like this. They could, you know, point to this thing as having kind of a Fellini like, you know, and Siskel interrupts Ebert and says, please don't use the word Fellini anywhere near this movie. <laughs> 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 you know but but having said that this i love this movie oh you've because seen because of the absurdity of it. you've seen it before oh yes i've yeah, okay, seen it before okay. it's when i was a kid the the extreme surrealistic aspects of this movie I, there's so many of them it's nuts it there's the there's the crazy paper boy who's who's hunting down lane for his his two dollars that who's kind that's kind of iconic now right yeah People use that line and they may not even know where it comes where, from. Where it comes from. There's the his mother who's constantly cooking this crazy food. Do you like the the one thing I have is like there's a lot of there's a lot of upfront humor that you can't miss. But if you're not watching, if you're not watching, you might miss the the live tentacled creature she has in the pot. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and she does a great job. I mean, oh, I, yeah. I she just plays that perfectly. She's terrific. And so um, does so does um Styers. Yeah, he he plays the straight man though. I mean, he's the he's straight great. man through the whole thing. And he does it, he's the one straight man. He's been the he's been a straight man his entire career. Yeah, it could be. Um, but then uh, his brother who is <laughs> mailing in all these coupons to get all this crazy stuff that works. What was the name of the book he got? Had a had a pickup had a pickup <laughs> trashy women. Trashy women, right. Had to pick up trashy women. Doesn't but Lane he, he a, doesn't Lane say one point like Lane's trying to do something. He goes, "My little brother is is 
is building a space shuttle out of household appliances and it'll probably work. And I yes. Can't even, yes. I'll never get my car running. <laughs> yes, exactly. They're the two um, that I can't remember whether they're supposed to be Japanese or Chinese, but yes. the Asian brothers in the car, one of whom learned how to speak English by watching Howard Cosell. Wide world of sports. Oh. Wide world of sports. There's the... Um, Which is um, um, apparently he did the... That actor is um, has been in the last season or two of Cobra Kai because he was in Karate Kid 2, the actor who does the Howard Cosell thing. Oh, really? Yeah. So he yeah. actually went on to have um, he went on to have a career. They switched it out to have Rich Little do the voice, though, because Rich Little's Howard Cosell was perfect. Yeah. OK. Yeah. No. So, yeah. So. There's all sorts of crazy sort of, I mean, there's the math teacher who's teaching geometry and everybody is at the edge of their seat. So excited and thrilled to be in class. I mean, there's just, just this constant through the whole thing. And I think the reason better off dead is better than the following. Well, just one crazy summer is because, and I saw um, Savage Steve Holland make this point. He had complete freedom with better off dead. He's made the movie no the was, way he wanted. No one was paying attention. To no him. one was paying attention, <laughs> but he had a deal to be able to make the second one. But when he made the second one, he said it was producers in the room all the time. Yeah. So well, he didn't have as much freedom. And I think, I think honestly, One Crazy Summer um, suffers by not really embracing the absurdity as much as Better Off Dead did. Well, we have okay. So yeah, Lane Myers lost his uh, six month, his girlfriend of six months, and she's now interested in the captain of the ski team. A guy, and I, I don't know how Billy Zabka did not get this role, but um, he's the bad guy in, in Karate Kid, the blonde. Yeah. yeah. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. But it went to this guy who never really acted again, and apparently Aaron Dozier came in. Saw Steve Hollins, you know, for the for the audition. Saw Steve Hollins, who's kind of a, you know, shorter, pudgy, pudgy guy. And I guess Dozier treated him like shit. Didn't know who he was. Oh, really? <laughs> Holland was like, you're hired because Roy Stalin is <laughs> to play Roy Stalin because Stalin's such a just such an asshole. Um, uh, yeah. So and Lane wants to be on the ski team. He loses his girlfriend. Of course, his nemesis is the captain of the ski team who's going to judge who's going to be on the ski team. And you have to ski down the K-12, which is this life-threatening um, uh, uh, run up uh, up at the um, area ski oh, ski right. resort, which is absolutely absurd. Because if you, you watch Lane um, ski, he could yes. be on any ski team. And I don't know how you do this. How you put people on the ski team by having them? No one can is supposedly able to do this except Roy Stalin. Ski the K twelve. So I don't know why that's the why that's the ski run to get you on the team. Oh, it is. <laughs> it is. It isn't. I think. I think that's actually. I think that you just missed a little bit of a subtlety there. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm sure I did. Yes. Yes. Um, and uh, but the. Lane's down, tries uh contemplates suicide. Yes. Of course it's it's also Christmas time and um a French foreign exchange student moves across the, uh, moves in across the street and has to live with his mother and son who are just terribly, terribly 
crude, um, obnoxious, unattractive, uh, unattractive, you name it. Yeah. And uh, they get to know each other. She starts to fall in love with him, but she also tries to help him get to gain the confidence to ski the K-12 and get Beth back. And, you know, it's all very, very typical. It's the comic absurdist stuff in this movie that really, and I, I agree. I enjoy watching one crazy summer more. Like if I had a, but this is kind of a young director, just kind of going for it and doing what he wants. And yep. The Miami Herald said, the Miami Herald's Bill Cosford said, this movie had the body of a tired teak comedy with the soul of an inspired student film. There you I go. think it's kind of fair. Yeah, I like that. It's kind of fair. It is a weird, funny movie. Even the little things, like, he doesn't know the math. He doesn't know the um, the math problem. Yes, but he's called to the board to show his work mm-hmm. and he looks up and the camera pans up and yeah. the chalkboard looks like it's about a mile up. Yes, yes. And he has all that area. He's he's supposed yes. to kind of put the formula in and it's Steve Holland. So he has the of course, he has the the animation because Holland was obviously an animator. Yes. Um, it's uh, it's a pretty the basic stories again, much like. The previous one, there's really nothing original here in the in the bones of the story. Nope, it's just kind of the craziness. Yep, and, and the crazy, and in my opinion, it's the craziness that 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 really makes this movie unique work. Yeah, and it makes it work. I think that the movie actually does work. It's not great by any means, but it does. It it absolutely does work, and um, I think it, it 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 pulls those elements out. Um, Effectively, I mean, I think it, it falls a little bit short because it, it kind of stops with a lot of it, a lot of the absurdness kind of halfway through or, or it begins to limit it as it gets a little bit more serious about the love story. Yes, that's unfolding, which I think kind of makes it a little bit um, uh, it slows it down a little bit. But on the whole, there's just so much that's in this movie it's clear why it is a, a cult movie. I mean, it does have a big cult following. It does. And this yeah. budget was 3.5 million and it made 10.3 million. Yeah, it's not bad. Uh, yeah, I guess if you, again, if you add some advertising and some promotional stuff, things like that. It's, and I think they did. And it, they you know did. what? Yeah, they, they really highly promoted it. It did yeah. not make a ton of money. My it guess did not is, get great reviews. Yeah, my my guess is. That's why they had all the producers sitting in his in his in his filming of the next one. I my guess is this probably probably after all that probably made like two to three mil, which yep. is not good. Yep. Um, so couple. Uh, do you do you want to go on or do you? you yeah, wanna, I just got a couple uh, couple of instances that kind of sure maybe slightly l- less in your face uh, parts of the story or the comedy that just kind of made me laugh when that the ski slope. And um, his girlfriend's going to break up with him. And she's got eyes for the ski captain, Roy Stalin. Mm-hmm. And Roy Stalin looks around and says, who wants to hold my, my um, what is it? My, my clipboard. Yeah, my clipboard. And he looks over and says, 
you'll make a fine little helper. What's your name? And Curtis Armstrong says, Charles Dumar. Yes. <laughs> and he's which, looking right at Beth. Which is evidently um, uh, the actor, Curtis, that was ad-libbed. That's awesome. Yeah. That, that's just kind of one of those little things that you, yep. um, you kind of miss. I, and I can't remember. Oh, the um, when he buys, even though they're broken up, he buys her. Uh, Lane buys Beth a Christmas gift and it's a little teddy bear. And when yes. he gets on the phone with her, he says, I'll never guess what Roy got you for Christmas. Right. A teddy bear, <laughs> six feet tall. Yes. <laughs> it was, it was kind, of, kind of stuff like that was, was yep. is this fun. And it done really well. Yeah. Done really well. So, what a couple, about you? Couple, two, just two quick bits of, uh, two bit, two quick bits of trivia. So it was a 1967 Camaro RSSS. Yeah, I was wondering yeah, yeah. if you're gonna like fill me in on the car. Yeah, which was, um, you know, Chevy's response to the to the Mustang, um, uh, and um, the the brothers, the Asian brothers, were driving a 65 Ford Falcon, which is wow, a great car. I mean that, that an old Ford Falcon. Love those, love those cars. Um, good stuff. But um, also interesting. Don't know if you recall, but there's the dance scene. Yep, sure. Right? The woman who is singing yes. at the dance scene played Dottie in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. She's also was in what was the band she was in? It was fairly yeah big in the eighties. She was in a band. I can't remember the band. Yeah. But she also did the voice for Tommy Pickles in the Rugrats. Okay, so she went on to do stuff. Yep, and for Buttercup in the Powerpuff Girls. And she okay. actually has has uh, has a has a decent IMBD as well. So just uh, just a couple of quick notes on that. Um. Yeah. Good. Good. I, I. I just. I think it's it's kind of a unique. It's a unique movie. Yep. I agree. All right, let's move on. We got we go to 1986, One Crazy yeah. Summer. Mm. This is stars John Cusack as Hoops McCann, Demi Moore as Cassandra, Joel Murray as George Calamari. Yes, you have the Stork Twins, one of which is Bob Cat Goldthwait. The other one is really Tom Ballard, right? Yeah, yeah. Which, if you are our age, you'd recognize in a heartbeat. Um, you have Mark Metcalf. As Aguila Beckerstead, Mark Metcalf is the dad. He's in Animal House. Oh, right. That, okay, yeah. Okay, and gotcha. in the uh, Twisted Sister video. Yes, that's right. That's right. <laughs> and then you get Matt Mulhern as Teddy Beckerstead, his son. Right. This is... Um, th- this is uh, and uh, Curtis Armstrong again. Uh, well, you you have Curtis Armstrong. You also have Lori Laura Waterbury. She's the crossing guard, right? In the beginning right. of the movie, and she's also the, the mom who the next door neighbor mom, in, the host. Yeah, you have Taylor Negron's in this. He was the mailman in Better Off Dead, and he's the gas mm-hmm. station attendant in this. And of course, Curtis Armstrong. Yeah. Um, and this is uh, Hoops McCann, John Cusack graduates from high school he has to finish a project which is he wants to get, go to RISD and which means he has to finish an art project regarding like love or something like that which I that I just think they may 
made that up. Is this like, I, I know there's early acceptance to college, but is there late acceptance? I don't know. It seemed bizarre <laughs> to me. Didn't it seems bizarre to me, but he's invited yeah. to Nantucket. Joel Murray invites him to Nantucket for the summer because Joel Murray's grandmother and his uncle live on Nantucket and, and Hoops needs to get away along the way. They help save, uh, they're in um, Woods Hole. And I, you know, I'm not sure, I've been to Woods Hole numerous times and I'm not sure that was actually Woods Hole. Woods Hole is a nice little area um, with a lot of, Woods Hole has a ton of um, oceanographic institutes Mm -hmm. and things like that. But um, they kind of save her from a, a gang of, uh, a, a motorcycle gang who want to take her money. She's a musician. She's on her way to Nantucket as well, along with um, George and uh, Hoops. And Cassandra is George's little sister. They get to Nantucket. And this is just a another instance of there's really nothing original about the bare bones of the nope. story. It is the let's get the gang let's get the gang of misfits together to save the day against the rich privileged kids. Right. They're going to help they're going to help Cassandra save her uh is it her dad or grandfather's house? Grandfather's. Her grandfather's house and they have to find a way to outwit the um which shouldn't really be all that difficult outwit the the rich kids who are uh, privileged, cruel, nasty, um, really not a, the only time, the only moment of the rich kids not being a-holes is after they win the regatta as they're walking down the, mm-hmm. as they're walking down the deck, a couple of the crew from the rich kids yacht <laughs> congratulate, congratulate the outsiders. Oh, I thought that it, was it, the Australians. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and that's it. And you got the Bobcat Goldthwait doing his really. I like stuff. I like Bobcat Goldthwait, even though the voice wears thin after about ten seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love this movie. This is the kind of movie you can put on and really not pay attention to because. There's really nothing to pay attention to. It's uh, a classic story. It is um, uh, this one is compared to Better Off Dead again. It's Savage Steve Holland doing this mm-hmm. again. So you have the you have the the animation at various points. Yep. Um, it's formulaic. It's trite, mm-hmm. but I love the formula. I love the outsiders. The outsiders taking on the privileged kids, losing at first, but rallying to come back. And there's some juvenile but funny stuff. Um, there's a movie taking place on Nantucket while they're there. And the yes. Stork twins, including Bobcat, are are working nights as guards. And there's that scene where uh, Bobcat uh, finds himself in the Godzilla costume. This was the let's save this because this is, in my opinion, the funniest, um, and best part of the movie. Uh, and there's you know, you got to have the love story, right? Uh, yep. he may have the girl, Demi Moore, he, he loses the girl, he gets the girl back. Um, and <laughs> 
they all get together to make it work, but they do it twice. Yes, they have to do it twice. They have to do it for the for the um, to get together the money first with the concert that they help make a big success. Is that at the do drop show? The do drop in at the do drop in, and then uh, then the they regatta. have to win the boat race because um, uh, yeah, they have to the, the boat race because. Uh, that's all the the grandfather of yeah. the Becker. So the Becker Steads are this, yeah. Yeah, the Becker Steads are this very rich family and they're real estate moguls who are right. trying basically to turn the to turn Nantucket into condos, resorts, golf courses, that type of thing. Yep. And they need the um, house that she lives in. Uh, is there really much more to this? <laughs> um it's not a lot there in terms of in terms of the setup. No, and yeah. Oh, um, and, oh, Curtis Armstrong um, lives on the island. He's a friend of Joel Murray. His dad is um, uh, the guy from Second City TV. Um, his dad is the gung ho. They call him the general. Right. He runs yes, the army right. surplus store. Yep. Yep. Um, and. Uh, What's his name? Akak, the Curtis Armstrong character. And he's mm-hmm. just kind of a gentle, peaceful kind of yeah. kid. But his dad's like this gung-ho former former soldier who has him on the beach, you know, collecting shells, which we can talk about because that made no sense either. No. Um, the, so uh, this movie, the, the, it, I did not, I did not like this movie. <laughs> um, Was it over your head? What, yeah, it, it, too Fellini esque. Um, I didn't like the movie because I it did not have enough of the absurdness to save it, in my opinion, from yeah. the the plainness and just kind of triteness of everything that was there. It had more of the. It had too much of the Andy Hardy. Let's put on a show and save the rec center type of yeah, feel for me. Yeah, with without the without the kind of absurdities of Better Off Dead. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So I was um, I was not you know I was not particularly thrilled um, by the whole thing. It did have though a couple of things I, I do want to point out because I thought um, it, it, you know has Joel Murray great. Um, uh, great career that guy has. I like him. So do I. Curtis Armstrong, another guy, great career. It's got a Ferrari 308 in it, yes. which is never a bad thing. Um, I mentioned before, um, you know, there was, Holland didn't have as much creative license. And I think that, that personally, I think that that shows. I think it does too. A couple of things. I don't know if you noticed this. They're, the high school they graduated from. Generica, generic New York, yeah, yeah. <laughs> generic high school. Um, but the best scene I think was that. So they're on this movie set and they have these Godzilla costumes. And I think this was personally this was the funniest thing uh, in the movie to me. It really was. Is uh, William Hickey who plays the grandfather throws his cigar into the Godzilla mouth, so the mouth starts smoking. And Bobcat Goldthwait inside gets a little bit um, um, frustrated and crazy. And so he starts running around trying to get the cigar out. And he runs through a mock-up of the development, a little model. And so it looks like an old Japanese 
Godzilla movie. <laughs> it really was destroying very... the hassle. And he's about, entertaining. He's entertaining yeah. uh, Asian possible Asian buyers. That's right. Yes. Um, yes. Becker, uh, the the main baddie Becker said is entertaining Asian possible Asian buyers as Bobcat Goldthwait is destroying the mock up in his Godzilla. It is clever. Yes. That was that was it, very clever. I thought it was really very. I thought it was very funny. I thought they did. I thought they did an, a nice job um, with that. And um, um, you know, they um, at the end they they build this boat and they 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 take the the, the Ferrari motor and they stick it at the end of the boat, <laughs> which is a. I'm not. I don't know anything about engine boats, but that was probably a 230 horsepower um, Ferrari motor. Um, so it had probably had some kick to it. The only other thing I can mention is um, when they first get to the island and go to Joel Murray's grandmother's house, the grandmother ignores Joel Murray and That's right. yes. and gives gives the, the sister who only has two lines in the whole movie because the sister yeah. sister's with the dog. Yes. The sister, sister has the dog. And um, uh, in the beginning, as they're leaving school school's getting out and they show the sister leaving the grade school and she's got the dog and the dog has the the you know the goofy collar on because the mm-hmm. dog's been in an accident and needs to heal the two girls make fun of the dog and make fun of her and then uh the crossing guard tells the two little girls that you know don't make faces it's, you know they could Someone stay that you way on the back yeah feel, yeah they'll stay like, yeah and then the girl sneaks up behind them Joel Murray's sister sneaks up behind them and in, you know, in revenge for making fun of her and the dog, she slaps them both on the back as they're teasing the dog. So they both look like they have pig faces. Yes. And they stay that way. And later on, they're on the ferry from, yes. from uh, Falmouth to Nantucket. I mean, that's the type of better off dead stuff that yes. there's not enough of. Right. Exactly. And that- not done as well. And not, it's done, not as well. done as well. Yeah. The little girl, the grandmother gives the little girl a teddy bear. Supposedly, that is the same little teddy bear that that Lane Meyer buys. Back I better off dead. Thought so. I looked at it and I and I said, "Oh, that, that looks it's, it's, it's an interesting coincidence." But for what it's yeah. worth, it supposedly is the exact same bear. Who knows? I mean, yeah. when you're talking internet internet research, who knows? Yeah. Did I say this was a nine million dollar budget? Which I, I'm I'm assuming eight million was. Um, to be able to film on Nantucket and yeah, really, um, and it made a whopping thirteen million. So yes, it was it was a bomb. I don't think it showcased Nantucket's beautiful. The main town on Nantucket, as you come in on the ferry, is is really, really a nice town with the co- cobblestone streets and you know the old houses, and they got some pretty strict zoning laws. So even you know even the local pharmacy has to be in a clapboard building yeah. type of uh, I, I wish they had showcased it a bit more I, um, yeah. that would have made it I think um, if you're on Nantucket showcase it it's a it's a great place um, Curtis Armstrong's dad sends them out to the beach to collect shells and it happens to be a beach where the Navy practices its artillery yes um, uh, you know but the shells wouldn't be on the beach right the casings yeah yeah Uh, so that didn't make any sense whatsoever none at all um i really like this movie it is 
everything you say though it's it's flawed it's not quite as inventive as better off dead even though it's the same it's the same director i uh, i just enjoy it it's one of those i won't say it's a guilty pleasure because i think it's it's when you stack this up to some of the other 80s comedies it's it's just as good it's, it's just as good fair enough um uh but it, it definitely is missing a certain flair. Oh, it's like all the ingredients. Are, I, I liked, I didn't know about the, there's uh, Steve Hollins in the, it, it, you know, in the, in the conference room with like 12 yeah. suits making yeah. this movie. Yeah. But now that you say that it, it makes it, sense, right? It does lack a certain heart or soul. Yeah, that you would get if it was this like one director's vision, yep, of what they want to do, and movies by committee rarely work. Yeah, and uh, this one probably suffered for it. Now, Steve Holland also did. He was mostly a TV guy, and he did a show that my son used to watch called um, Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide, and it had. Oh, yeah. It was on Nick or I forget what it was on Nick or Disney, but it had, you know, the the animated stuff, the absurdist stuff for middle school age. Mm -hmm. And uh, he used to watch it and I would watch some shows and I was watching it one day and I'm like, God, you know, this 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 kind of some of the stuff reminds me of a of a, you know, a, a young teen better off dead because it had those completely absurdist moments and i'm watching the credits and it's you know written by directed by produced by or whatever savage steve holland i said that's where he ended up yep makes sense very interesting yeah. interesting okay. year for movies too so a couple so of what, what um, came out yeah armed and dangerous yeah big trouble in little china one yeah of my favorite uh yeah one of my favorite on the list. movies yep. on the list club paradise which i, I think is... like that movie it's terrible yep. it is but terrible it's, it is terrible yep. So kind of a, a big when it came out, I think it's kind of lost its lux luster down and out in Beverly Hills. And <clears throat> Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Uh, yeah. Gung Ho. John Candy. <laughs> Tom Hanks. <laughs> uh, I, is, is that the one there in the Peace Corps? Yeah. Or is Gung Ho the Michael Keaton movie? No, no, no. Oh, I thought it was the. Well, I could be wrong here. Yeah, maybe it's. Uh, maybe it is the Michael Keaton one. Because isn't the John Candy movie Volunteers? That's Volunteers. Yes. Gun Ho is Michael is Keaton Michael when Keaton. the Japanese yes. come in. There's. Yes. That's an interesting movie to talk about too. It might yes. be slightly problematic. Ooh, today. yes, that it would. Yes. <laughs> um, tough guys. Um, Burt Lancaster and oh, Kirk Douglas. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. yeah. I, I never saw it, but I remember it. Definitely yeah. remember it. Mostly you remember these from uh, the video stores. Yes, 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 yes. Haunted Honeymoon. Oh, yeah. Gene Wilder, Gilda Retner. should be better than it is. Right, yep. Jumpin' Jack Flash, another kind of Whoopi Goldberg? Whoopi Goldberg's movie, yep. Eh. Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah. The Money Pit. Yeah, Tom Hanks and Shelley Long. Yep. Um, Ruthless People, which I think is a, is a cute movie. I haven't seen it in a while, but cute movie. And uh, The Three Amigos. Eh, okay. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, okay. I'm not a big fan of most of those, so hmm. not, not my thing. Okay. Speaking of, before we move on real quickly, um, 
Come to think of it, too, when I was looking up these movies on the internet, I missed the box art that yes. you had in the in the in in the eighties, maybe into the early nineties. Now it's what mostly photogra- photography. Mm-hmm. I really missed the the box art they had on these on these movies. Yes, a, yes. a lost uh, kind of a lost art. All right, this yep. is this is um, I love the a hot pop pursuit is John Cusack. It's nineteen eighty seven. Yes, um, I loved finding this movie because I always I always like. Um, Having come of age in the 80s, I, well, you just went through a list of movies, some I hadn't seen, but I kind of knew of. Like yep. I knew Whoopi Goldberg was. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, this, I, a couple years ago, I wasn't feeling well. I was, you know, I had like the flu or something. I'm up all night, can't sleep, and I'm just looking for something. And I'm like, oh, maybe I want to watch something like Better Off Dead or One Crazy Song. So prime John Cusack movies and the hot pursuit. What is this? And, and then, so I watch it, fall asleep during it, you know, wake up, watch it. I'm in and out, in and out. I'm like, you know, I'm no, I'm not an expert, but I never heard of this movie. And I always like finding, I, this is like the lost Cusack movie of the eighties. I've never heard anyone ever say they saw it, know about it. And it comes out kind of, kind of right in this Cusack period. Now, um, in all fairness, there was a four million dollar budget, and it made four point two million. So maybe literally no one saw it. Yeah, pretty um, much. And I understand why, but it was kind of neat to say, like, I just you know, wow, never, I've never heard anyone mention this movie. I didn't know it existed. Uh, you know, it's got some. It's got some decent names in it. It's got um, Cusack and and Robert Loggia, um, uh, the the dad in the movie is very familiar. Shelley Fabre's in the movie. Mm-hmm. Keith David's in the movie. Keith David, yeah. Keith J- David's Jerry, one of my favorite actors. I uh, he's great in everything. He's, he's excellent. In. Jerry and Ben Stiller are in it. Yes, and it has. You know, did you notice a link to Citizen Kane? This. Top Pursuit was produced by Tom Mankiewicz. Oh, yes. Mankiewicz, who was the right. nephew yeah. of Herman Mankiewicz, who wrote, right. despite Orson Welles' protestations to the contrary, he was the one who wrote Citizen wrote. Kane. Yep. This made no money. The New York Times said it makes Gilligan's Island look like Night of the Iguana. That is fair. Um, and I like the... I'm going to take issue with that, but go on. I really enjoy... Like the first, um, well, let's put it this way. So John Cusack is at a he's a high, a high schooler at a private. He's at a private kind of boarding school. Yep. He's got a girlfriend who's from money. He is not from money. He's on scholarship. He's going to go away with the his girlfriend's family for a during a break. They're going to go to the Caribbean and and cruise around to some islands. However, he fails his chemistry test. And the the he's going to be able to you know take it over again, but it's going to be during that week, so he can't go. The chemistry professor comes to him, they come to an understanding. He gets an extra credit question, which he gets, and he spends uh, what ninety five percent of the movie chasing his girlfriend's family as they island hop through the Caribbean. Yes, most of which is Mexico, not the Caribbean, but yes. Um, 
And that's really the the basics of the story. And I kind of like I kind of had fun with this. I didn't expect much, and um, I really probably liked it until I th- he there's a point where he's on the boat with Robert Loggia following the yacht his girlfriend is on. Mm-hmm. And there's a stretch that is just excruciatingly boring. Hmm. Interesting. I yeah. thought, and it goes on for a while and it just kind of loses its pace. And then he gets arrested and, you know, he, he comes ashore where he's arrested by corrupt cops he escapes and he keeps following the family and while the family's been uh, uh, hijacked by by Ben Stiller and Jerry Stiller who are pirate it's it's crazy but i like it it's a it's a kooky plot it is not an absurdist movie no it could happen um, <laughs> it, unlikely it, it, but it uh, could very <laughs> unlikely but it could happen it's not an absurdist plot it, and it is in my opinion the predecessor to say anything because there's a seriousness to it about there, there's a seriousness of the, of the fundamental story that, that this is a serious relationship. Yes. Right. Because in yes, the beginning sure. they, you know, you see his girlfriend, they have a little bit of a tiff. You feel right? like they've been dating for a long time. And that they're serious. Yes. That they have a long-term, you know, they, they view themselves as being together long-term and, and his efforts to, to, to get to them are very sincere and the relationship between him and the father is in question. And he knows he's got to, you know, make up. And there's, I, I, I actually thought this movie was a whole lot better than um, the reviews that, you know, I kind of saw, saw for it. And it I get, think they get panned and it got, it got, yes, get ripped apart. It's not a great movie. Don't get me wrong, but I thought it was actually, um, I thought it was better than one crazy summer. I would, I would, I would rewatch hot pursuit before I rewatched uh, One Crazy Summer. Which is the question is like, why did Hot Pursuit flop and One Crazy Summer, you know, it didn't do great, but it's certainly m- more known than if they Hot re- Pursuit. If they released it later, I think it would have had a similar sort of a feel to it as Say Anything. It was a little bit too, you know, adventure you know, action-filled slapstick. Um, it, you know, it still had a little bit too much of that to be something like say anything. But it was it was halfway there, in, in my opinion, which is why I liked it a little bit more than I liked um, One Crazy Summer. So you're suggesting th- that maybe one of its flaws is it didn't quite know what it wanted to be. Yes, yes, I think that's I think that's right. But that's I an, think it's I an think, interesting point. I think that it, ca- it it carries it off okay for the most part. It falls apart here and there, I grant you, and and um, it 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 doesn't quite work in all the instances. But give credit to where credit is due. Um, Rod- Robert Loja is all in in his character. What is his accent? He sounds like he's literally from a Robert Louis Stevenson novel. I think that's what. It, yeah, it's um, n- it's not it's it, not any recognizable. It's, you know, it's not Scottish. It's not English. It's like this weird Pirates of the Caribbean type yeah. of. <laughs> yeah. It's like he's from 1652. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, his, his girlfriend in the movie is 
pretty charming. More than more, yeah, charming and more than a damsel in distress. You know, she. It's funny. Wendy Gazelle is her name. Yep. Yep. I thought good career. Very I good thought career. she had no career because she doesn't have a Wikipedia page. But she had a career. Right. No, but she had a career. Yeah. Yeah, she had yeah. a fine career. Has she's a fine career. Still, she's a, yeah. still active. Yeah. She's a, she's attractive. Um, she's she's uh, got a good presence. Um, yeah, no, was, um, she was good. My favorite part of the movie has to be when he is teamed up with the four locals, including Keith David. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're trying to help them. He's wary yes. of them. But they're actually, uh, they just seem like four pot dealers. Three, yeah. Um, oh, three, yeah. The three, there's the girl yeah. and the and two the guys. Two guys they seem yeah. like they're moving a small yeah. amount of marijuana, big deal. But they, yeah. um, they're generally trying to, to help this guy find yeah. his girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're, they're driving a thing, too. It was uh, good to see. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, there's this something I think you maybe I was thinking about this movie and didn't really hit upon that, which is one of the things I typically hit upon, which is, yeah, maybe it didn't quite know really what it's it's there are some slightly there's a scene at this crappy little airport where he's hiding John Cusack's character. Um, and he sees the birth? He sees the birth, and there's like that that 15 it's seconds of... This profundity, is, right? Of what... It, it, yeah. Is, people live like this. This is poverty. This is a person yeah. whose immigration status might be an issue, and they're giving birth in the, in the back room of this crappy little airport ticket office. And then there's this kind of the more weird slapstick in the beginning of the movie while he's trying to study for his chemistry exam. Yep. She does this like she drives onto the property of the this elite boy school, yeah, prep school, and she does this like catwoman type of thing, scaling the building like she's a cat burglar. Yep. Um it, which is you know fairly absurd. Yes. But then it has this moment of, and then it's got this adventure feel to it, but a rom com feel to it. Yeah, it's a ro- I mean, it's it's kind of all over the place and a bit messy, and that might be my hang up with it. I like it. It's kind of like I'll have it on, uh, and, and I like it because of the actors and the characters and I, the the scenery mm-hmm. that, that is filmed on location in various places. But it's it's far from flawless for sure. And I understand oh, yeah, why yeah, it yeah, didn't yeah. hit. Yeah. I understand why it didn't hit big. And when yep. it came out less of the, less of the humor, more seriousness, it would have, it would have done better and, or alternatively just going full in the other way. Yeah. I think it just didn't, it didn't really know what it wanted to be, but I think again, I would say a whole lot better than I think I saw the reviews and that I, I think again, I would watch it again before i would watch one crazy summer <laughs> hey so a uh, quick note um yeah just find I, anything interesting about uh, nothing hot about pursuit? nothing about hot pursuit particularly no. but uh, but with kusak he because no one saw it <laughs> he doesn't yeah he, he doesn't like his early movies kusak. no especially with savage yeah he's not he's not a fan he he kind of liked better off, he liked the idea of better off dead but didn't think it really worked. He really appreciated Reiner and the way um, um, he handled the actors 
he thought that Reiner really knew how to protect his actors, give them a safe place, you know, to do the things that they needed to do. Um, but with this movie, I really do. I'm going to go back to what I said before. I think this is halfway to say anything. Um, and I think that um, it, uh, I, it did, this is not the case, but if, if somebody had said, oh, the same director, right, made the two movies, I would have said, oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Missed it the first time, got it right the second time. Um, and uh, so it's a, it's disappointing that way. But again, I, I, I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. I liked the family, um, you know, his girlfriend, even the dad who starts sister. off as a as a kind of dicky. Yeah, fine. Yeah. Dad and 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 mom, they're 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 all good. Yeah. Um, they all do a good job. Uh, some great supporting um, actors in there, including Ben and Jerry Stiller. It's great seeing them in a, in a movie together um, and, you know, in scenes together. And bad guys. Uh, and as bad guys, yeah. Um, uh, Keith David, of course, who's, who's uh, for those of you who don't know, you may remember him from, uh, what was probably, what was his, well, like, The, the, the Thing, thing the, Platoon. Uh, they Live. They Live. Um, oh God, what else? It was one uh, of the bartenders in uh, Roadhouse. It was, okay, he was one of the bartenders <laughs> in Roadhouse. Um, I I think he was in uh, Dead Presidents. Uh, if I, anybody, I uh, did. See, I don't remember. That. I don't remember that movie very well. So he could very well have been. Yeah, he he's been all of his in Pitch Black. You got to uh, know people have to know him. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's he's uh, one of my favorite character actors. Truly, uh, just just does a great job every time I see him. So yeah, so I mean, I I I kind of I kind of like that one. Um, so I 19, want... go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was going to go through the list of other eighty-seven movies. So yeah, yeah, the next one. Okay, so uh, eighty-seven, interesting year in movies. Still with a lot of the teenage, you know, movies. So Adventures in Babysitting. Good, fun movie. Yep. Batteries not included. Uh, not, is yeah. that Steve Gutenberg? Yeah, I think it is. Um, born in East L.A. <laughs> Never saw is, it. Um, Cheech Marin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dragnet. Well, uh, Tom that Hanks. was fun. Yeah. Chevy, Chevy. Dan, uh, no, uh, Dan, Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. Yep. Tom Hanks, Dan Aykroyd. And um, um, Harry Morgan. As a, and Harry Morgan, as their as boss. Yes, yeah. that's right. Um, Eddie oh, Murphy, Chris, Christopher Plummer's in that. That's right, he is. Yes. He's awesome. Yes. All right, Eddie, Eddie Murphy Raw. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, that was, was big. Watershed moment. That was um, big. Yeah. Um, Evil Dead Two, another, in my opinion, watershed moment. I that think that's the f- first horror comedy, you know, modern horror comedy. I, that, I think that really hit well. It's funny. That's later than I would have guessed. Yeah, 87. I would have guessed um, like 85. So something we've talked about earlier, summer school this year. Yep. Um, the Witches of Eastwick. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Not my uh, favorite. No. Um, Waste of talent. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Harry and the Hendersons. Never saw that. John Lithgow and the John Bigfoot. Lithgow. Yeah. Yeah. Not, again, not one of my favorites. Uh, the Lost Boys. Oh, great movie. A lot of fun. Uh, yep. Outrageous Fortune. I don't know if you know that one, but it's... Uh, I think Bette, I saw that. Bette Midler and Shelley Long, I think. I think I did see that. Yep. Um, and then here are a couple of uh, kind of, again, watersheds. Uh, planes, Trains, and Automobiles. 
the great um, Steve Martin, John Candy. Brilliant. Um, movie. Cool. John, just, John Hughes. Uh, yep, John Hughes. We, we just watched that um, the other day as a family. Again, we try to watch it every time, every year around Thanksgiving, no matter what. It's, it makes me laugh out loud every time I watch it. Um, Raising Arizona. I think the first Coen Brothers movies that really hit. Really, uh, really a different a different movie and a very yeah gave everybody a very different different feel um secret to my success uh, i like it yep michael j fox and uh slater helen slater they're just works charismatic yeah yep um another kind of big one at the time i think but which probably has lost its luster uh, three men and a baby not my, I never really that I never saw it. it. Yeah, yeah, I never saw it, so I don't know. Yeah. And then one of my favorite uh, teen movies. This this is something I think we could we might think about doing. Uh, kind of a off the beaten path movie called Three O'clock High. Really, really uh, surreal is too strong a word, but a really interesting eighties yes teen movie. Yep, yep. I never know that Kelly some. I never know his last name. I don't either. Yeah. Cement, Cementsco or something like that. Yeah. Casey, Casey Cements, something or other. Yeah. 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 So uh, interesting, interesting yeah. year movies when this came out and, and kind of shows you, I think I wanted to do that because particularly as you started getting into the later eighties, you started to get movies like that, like three o'clock high, um, uh, uh, which is a little bit weird. Uh, Raising Arizona. Um, uh, you know, these are, these are things that, uh, um, uh, you know, started pointing in a different direction, I think when it comes to movies and, um, uh, putting in that context, I think I, I thought it was interesting to see yes. where this like, and don't forget that, um, in 87, he was also had a bit part in broadcast news, John Cusack. That that's was 87 right. as well. Yes, that's right. Yeah. He did tape heads in 88, which was another bomb, but he was also doing eight men out. Right. In 88. And then he goes back to high school in 1989 with say anything. anything. Yeah. But then he's in the military. Then he's in the military with fat man, and a little boy in 1989. <laughs> then he's a, yes. then he's a grifter. Well, he's a nuclear <laughs> physicist. I think. He's a, in, in fat man, and a little boy. He's a, uh, he's a, he's a physicist. But what's interesting, you know, it's interesting. I don't know if any of those really made any money. I mean, I know that Eight Men Out did not did, lost. Yeah, it was bomb. Yeah, even worse, um, if these numbers are correct, Fat Man Little Boy budget was thirty million and it made three point five million. Oof. Yeah. Wow. Um, and uh, yeah, it's. Um, interestingly that's a, that's, a, that's a disaster yeah but you know what's really interesting though we may have um we 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 talked about this before it's just i think good to just revisit say anything which is more than anything i think the movie that kind of solidified him in that role didn't also did not make a ton of money no i, I said the budget was 16 million and the box office is 20.7 like million yeah that's so, not a huge uh Yeah. So it's really interesting that, you know, I think we think of him, you know, as being this kind of, oh, yeah, well, he's a big star and he's, you know, a draw. And I don't think I don't think he was. I don't think he was either. (laughs) If you're in Hollywood at the time, you're going, here's a deal. I want this guy in my movie. (laughs) 
Class, <laughs> uh, I'll do this briefly, and then I wanted to mention one more thing. Mm. Uh, class had a $7 million budget. That's the 83 movie. He was in with yeah. Rob Lowe and Andrew McCarthy. Yeah. Class had $7 million budget, made $21 million. Pretty good. Yeah. Um, it, then there's a movie like Oxford Blues, which is a little-known kind of Rob Lowe, Ali Sheedy type mm-hmm. of um, that had a $1.8 million budget, but made 8.7. Okay. About last night with Rob Lowe and Demi Moore, $8.5 million budget made 38.7 million. Pretty good. 16 candles. Pretty in pink, $9 million budget made 40 million. Wow. War games, $12 million budget, 124 million. Wow. And Ferris Bueller's day off, $5 million budget, 70.7 million. Now with yeah. Cusack, um, uh, sixteen candles made made a decent amount, but was not what, what you were going to mention. Sixteen candles, yeah, six point five budget and twenty three, yeah, twenty three, twenty four. He's million. not a lead. Grandview USA lost money. Mm. Sure thing made a decent amount. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. Better off dead really didn't make money. Then he's mm-hmm. in the journey of Natty Gan and Stand by Me, where he does not have a main role. Yeah. One Crazy Summer kind of bombs. Hot Pursuit bombs. Yeah. He's only a bit part in broadcast news. Tape heads bomb. Eight, yeah. Financially. Yep. Eight Men Out bombs. Yep. Say Anything's not a huge financial success. Fat nope. Man and Little Boy bombs. Grifters does does decent. Does it? I don't know how. Uh, Grifters did decently. True Colors. I don't really have the numbers for that. It, Shadow, it, so according to, I'm looking it up now, True Colors, This this there's got to be something wrong with what I'm looking at. But $20 million budget and $400,000 box office? That doesn't no, make sense. That's perfectly, pro- that's very probable. Shadows and Fog almost lost money, for especially for a Woody Allen movie. So mm. he's not... <laughs> He's not like we got to have Cusack because we want to make <laughs> hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. But he's working. And somebody saw something, I think, and it kept with it. And, um, you know, he's probably a better ensemble actor now. It's interesting. Um, yeah. It, and it's interesting because I'm, I'm taking a look. I mean, I can't because what follows this? The, the player made a lot of money, but he didn't. I'm sure. But I don't know how much, but I got, made some. But then Map of the Human Heart? Gross Point Blank was good. Con Air, he was not the star of, but it was made a lot of money. It was a fun, fun action, stupid action flick. Um, Chicago Cab, never heard of. I guess he did a voice in Anastasia. Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil was, I thought, good. Yeah. This is my father. Thin Red Line, he had a bit part, because just about everybody had a bit part in that. Um. Map of the Human Heart did not make a lot of money. Bob Roberts, I don't think, made a lot of money. High Fidelity, um, I'm not sure. High City Fidelity. Hall, City Hall bombed. Um, High Fidelity's budget was $30 million and it made $47 million, So that was probably at least turned to profit. But he's not in the movies that are just... He's not in Back to the Future. He's not in those huge runaway hits. Yeah, he's doing the interesting films that he likes. And that's and, what I think he does. He probably, yeah. if he was smart, he saved up his money and then he does what he wants to do. Yeah. Yeah. Which, um, and I don't, um, I mean, the last, say the last, uh, Cell, Arsenal, Blood Money, Singularity, Distorted, River Runs Red, Never Grow Old, Pursuit. I, I don't, I don't know uh, any of those. Yeah. So, 
And the last thing I, I forgot to mention, I thought it was pretty funny, and I went back to make sure this was true. But as you know, Siskel and Ebert kind of skewered Better Off Dead. Yeah. And so in One Crazy Summer, the John Cusack character is an artist, and he does like to do little cartoons. And in the beginning of the movie, yep, he has a story about the animated, the fuzzy little bunnies. Yep. And the rhino. Yep. And the rhino's looking for love, and the fuzzy little bunnies start making fun of him. And then something you would probably never see today, the rhino gets so frustrated, he takes out a machine gun and starts murdering the fuzzy little bunnies. Yep. Um, there's also an end animation piece at the very yep. end of the movie. Yep. And one of the little bunnies who's getting slaughtered bears a striking resemblance to uh, Robert Ebert, Roger Ebert. <laughs> Kind of a heavy set bunny with glasses, and it really does look like him. Oh dear! And the uh, Robert Roger Ebert bunny does does buy it at the end of One Crazy Summer. So that's um, that's our John Cusack retrospective of for those three years. We are now at ninety nine minutes. So all right, well let's. I think we've uh, we've we've beaten a dead Cusack. <laughs> um i do i i like all all four of these movies um whether because they're good or because it's it's solely nostalgia i don't i don't care <laughs> they're all at the very least at the very least there's entertainment value in all of them some, some more some less but um um interesting actor for that that time period and you know maybe one day we'll talk about the so-called brat pack and where guys like Cusack fit into that whole, that whole rigmarole. Yep. All right, man. All right. All right. Thanks for uh, joining us today. Absolutely. It's about Thank time. You. Yeah. Talk to you soon. Right. Bye. Bye.